Hello, everyone. My name is Jill, and you are listening to Astrolabies on CHMR-FM. Astrolabies is a radio show and a podcast where I astrologize for the buys. And by buys, I mean you, my friends listening from near and far. I am a student at Mun, but I'm also a self-taught apprentice astrologer who is constantly blabbering about the stars. In my few years of study and practice, I have learned so much about myself and the world around me, and at this point, I am just like bursting at the seams with knowledge about the night sky, and I would love nothing more than to share it with you all. I am both queer and neurodivergent, so you bet your bottom dollar that this show will be at the intersection of queerness, neurodiversity, and astrology. Because, just like everything in life, it's all a big ol' web. I am far from an expert, hence my self-appointed apprentice astrologer title. I know it's a mouthful, but it, it tells people that, like, there's people that know more than me. And I feel like, you know, it might be a mouthful, but it gets the gist, you know? Anyways, that's... Even though I'm still an apprentice, I have been told by my family and friends that I am pretty good at explaining these astrological things. And like I mentioned in the last episode, talking about astrology lights me up. And when I talk to you guys about it, it lights you up as well. And we are all just trying to find answers and (laughs) understand our place in this world. And in so many ways, astrology has helped me with that. So that's what I intend to do. I intend to explain and tell you about the world of astrology and like getting into the nitty gritty. I'd like this show to be as accessible as possible to anyone who is interested in learning more about the ancient art of astrology. And a note on accessibility, I would love nothing more than to have transcripts for this show, but I recognize that like I just do not have the capacity to be able to give that service to people. So I do want to like like recognize that this show is not nearly as accessible as it could be. Um, And unfortunately, I don't have a solution for that right now, but I did want to address that, like, I'm aware. (laughs) I'm very much aware. So think of this show as an offering from me to you. Together, we're going to work through the basics of this ancient art form. And over time, you too will learn to speak this incredibly rich language. Now, if you were hoping to hear what the next month is going to look like for Leos, or if, you know, Geminis are going to find love in 2022, I'm really sorry to break it to you that you're not going to find answers on this show. This show isn't really about horoscopes or forecasting. Many astrologers already have that covered, and if I'm being honest, I am not the most well-versed on being able to give you horoscopes or forecasts. I would love to be in the future, but I'm just not there yet. But on a side note, if you guys are looking for shows or podcasts or like resources that do give you like great horoscopes and like forecasts. I'm all ears. I have lots of recommendations. What you will find is a rich conversation about the language of astrology and how it can be used as a tool that fosters compassion, care, and understanding for ourselves, our loved ones, and the world around us. In the pilot episode of Astrolabies, I explain the who, what, when, where, and why of Astrolabies. But actually, come to think of it, I actually didn't give you the when. I kind of skipped over that answer. And the new answer is bi-weekly on Fridays at 5 p.m. on CHMRFM. I explained who I am, what my intentions are for the show, where I've come from, and where I'd like to go. And most importantly, I explain why I want to make a show in the first place. 
And if you missed that, no sweat. You can find it on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Music. And that's spelled A-S-T-R-O-L-O-B-Y-S. Without the apostrophe, because platforms don't like the apostrophe, but like in the title. Okay, all right, you don't care about apostrophes. I'm also trying to get the um, podcast up on Google. Hopefully by the time this airs, it will be on Google. It just apparently takes up to a month for it to get like confirmed or something. So if you're an Android user, I promise something is on the way. If you wanted to keep in touch when the show is over, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Astrolabies. Again, that's A-S-T-R-O-L-O-B-Y-S. Twitter at Astrolabies Radio. Or you can even send me an email at astrolabiesradio at gmail.com. I would seriously love to hear any questions, thoughts, or feedback that you might have. Like, seriously, feedback makes my world go round. The first episode of Astralabies was, like, way more personal than I really intend the show to get. Because I'm a Scorpio, and I love <laughs> protecting some of my secrets. <laughs> but I did want to give you a sense of who I am to build a sense of trust. Because one mistake that I made really early in my practice in studying astrology is that I would just trust any astrologer who would speak to me. Astrologers are inherently in a position of power, and blindly trusting anybody who gives you their two cents about your life just because they have the ability to read a birth chart or like divine something from the heavens isn't something you should do. I'm saying that I did it, and I had to unlearn a lot of things. So I guess what I would say when consuming astrology is use your critical thinking skills. I mean, I, I guess... I would like to say that anytime you're on the internet, please use your critical thinking skills, seriously. It's sad what some people believe these days, but that's a communications major tangent, not an astrologer tangent. Uh, actually, it is a related tangent. Anyways. Yeah, use your critical thinking skills and check in with yourself. Do not let somebody explain away your life experience without checking in with how you feel. If someone is telling you, oh, you're like this or you're like that, if you know in the pit of your stomach, mm, that's wrong, that doesn't feel right, you have the power to say no. Astrology can talk about some of the most intimate, triggering, uh, dark parts of life. And it's important that we hold that with care. Okay, now that I've gotten my big old spiel over about, you know, not trusting everything you read on the internet, I am so excited about today's episode. Today we're going to be breaking down the basics of astrology. And I'm sure that you're all dying to hear what I have to say about your sign. Which is exactly why I won't be starting there. <laughs> I know, I know. You probably really want to know like what I have to say about Sagittarius's and Pisces's and all of the above. But to get to the point where I can start giving you like adjectives about signs, you need to know what you're working with, what tools you're looking at, and how astrologers are getting to the conclusions that they give you in the little horoscopes. Today I'm going to answer questions like, what the heck is a birth chart? Why are you always asking for my time of birth? What happens if I don't have one? What is a rising sign? And is it really more important than my sun sign? What do you mean I have all 12 signs in my birth chart? I'm a Sagittarius. How do you get a birth chart? Where can I learn more about my own? This is just a glimpse into the questions that I hope to cover on today's episode, but if you have any questions that pop up while you're listening, I would be happy to fill in any gaps on a future episode or even like in DMs. So without further ado, I welcome you to Astralabies episode one, breaking down the basics. Yes, I said episode one. Why? Because I'm considering last episode, episode zero, it was like a pilot moment, you know? 
Like, this is where it starts. This is where our journey begins. The other one was, like, the, the, the prologue, the prelude, the, the song that plays before the play starts. Okay. Done with my tangent. Welcome to Astralibies. is always something I've grappled with. Like it is a fully made up concept. We all know that there are 365 days in a calendar year and 30-ish days in a month. Well, I guess there's technically more than 365 days in a calendar year because we have to have a leap year every other year and that's confusing. Anyways, this is just like further evidence as to why time is just like complete, complete BS. And in the same breath, it takes the sun 365 days to make a full orbit around earth meaning it takes a full year for the sun to travel through all 12 signs of the zodiac, covering one sign each month. And obviously we know that the zodiac seasons don't start on the first of every month, they start near the end of each month. But in the northern hemisphere at least, the first day of spring is always the first day of Aries season, and Aries represents the first sign of the zodiac. The first day of summer is always the first day of cancer season, which is the fourth sign of the zodiac. The first day of fall is always at the start of Libra season, which is the uh, seventh sign of the Zodiac. Well, I don't know why. I am a Libra. I don't know why I had to fish for that information, but in my brain, I really had to go through the Rolodex. And the first day of winter, as you might have deduced, is the beginning of Capricorn season. Yes, Jesus was a Capricorn. There you go. So we celebrate our birthdays when the sun returns to the same spot that it was when you were born. Astrologers call this your solar return. Astrology looks at the sky from a geocentric perspective, meaning it looks at the planets and their relative positions to the Earth and where they fall in the sky. The zodiac wheel divides the sky into 12 signs, the constellations that we know and love. Aries, Taurus, Taurus. <laughs> Taurus. <gasps> Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra. Why do I always forget Libra? I am the Libra. Ugh. You know, that says something. Anyways. Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces. See, even for a well-versed astrologer, naming the alphabet of the zodiac is still difficult. <laughs> Just like a circle has 360 degrees, the zodiac wheel does too, with 30 degrees attributed to each sign. As planets make their way around the solar system, they move through these signs, at least from our perspective here on Earth. And astrologers interpret these planetary cycles and the conversations that they're having with each other and, you know, make what you know and love, astrology. But not all planets move at the exact same speed. In fact, they move at drastically different speeds, especially depending on where they are in the sky or whether or not they're retrograde. Side note, I'm gonna go in depth about retrogrades in a future episode, but I know that you're about to ask a burning question, so I'm gonna just like try to be proactive and answer it. A planet is considered retrograde when, from our perspective on Earth, it appears to be moving backwards in the sky. Besides the sun and the moon, all of the planets will go retrograde at some point or another. And while astrologers attach a world of meaning to planetary retrogrades, this is something astronomers watch too. If you were to pick up a copy of the Farmer's Almanac, you would see the dates that the planets go retrograde somewhere in there. But also, if a planet is retrograde and it's visible in the night sky, 
If you were to be able to track that planet, you would see that from our perspective, it looks like it's moving backwards in the sky, whereas all the other planets are moving in a different direction. And that's just because... Okay, this is where it gets like really technical, but it basically has to do with like the sun, like the, the planet that's retrograde passing the Earth. Uh, no, I'm not even going to try to... This is getting too confusing. Basically, it looks like it's going backwards, while the rest of them look like they're going forwards. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Okay, moving on. Back to time. You know how they say the quote-unquote average period cycle takes 28 days? Well, guess what other cycle also takes 28 days? The moon. Yeah, that's right. Every 28 days, the moon returns to the same place that it was at the time of your birth. And if you guess that's called a lunar return, you would be correct. Mercury moves way faster than the sun, too, taking about 88 days to make a full orbit around the zodiac. But just like pop culture astrology loves to warn you time and time again, Mercury goes retrograde about three times a year. But again, we're not talking about that yet. And again, I don't want you to fear Mercury retrogrades. If someone is telling you 911, the world's gonna die because Mercury retrograde is happening, unfollow them. Close the book. Close the tab. Just don't. Also, do not buy one of those Mercury Retrograde survival kits at a box store. I, that makes me angry. I mean, buy it if you want, but know that it will make me angry knowing that you've bought it. Mars. Oh, XOXO, I love Mars. <laughs> That's a hot shake, but I do love Mars. Mars takes about two years to make its orbit, whereas Jupiter takes 12. And that's a, that's a big jump, as you might have deduced. When you consider that the cycle of Mars and the cycle of Jupiter, the two planets that are next to each other, is a 10-year jump, you might guess the further away a planet is from Earth, or the Sun, really, the longer it takes to cycle through the zodiac. So Saturn, by comparison, takes approximately 29 years to make an entire circle. Your Saturn return is a big deal. And I'm not 29 yet, so I'm literally not a Saturn expert, but Taylor Swift was in her reputation era during your Saturn return, if that gives you anything to work with. It also explains why every 30-year-old has like a major glow up. Like y'all look great. And I'm really excited. Like, I, don't get me wrong. I think I look great right now. I'm a Libra. I always think I look great. <gasps> God, I'm really exposing myself. There's something about that post-Saturn return that just like, you're, you've gone through one full Saturn cycle, so it's like you understand what it's like to be a human on this earth to some degree. <laughs> I actually took questions for this episode and I'm really excited to dig into them, but one of my friends uh, told me that their Saturn return is coming up soon and wanted me to talk a little bit about that. And oh my gosh, I would love to talk about Saturn returns, but I'm gonna save that um, until I like go into the specifics of each planet. Um, but to kind of like give you an idea, Saturn is currently in the sign of Aquarius. So if you natally have Saturn in Aquarius, meaning Saturn was in the sign of Aquarius at the time that you were born from, it would have been like end of 2020 or maybe beginning of 2021 to now and until 2023, you would be experiencing your Saturn return. And I believe that your Saturn return begins like the second Saturn enters the sign that it was um, at your birth. So if you have Saturn in Pisces next year, when Saturn dips into the sign of Pisces, you're going to be starting to feel those themes of getting older. <laughs> I know your Saturn return has way more to do than getting older. You know what? I have friends that are going through their Saturn return that are astrologers. So I'm just going to get them to speak to it on a future episode because I bet you we, I bet your bottom dollar they would. So the outer planets, which are Pluto, Neptune, and Uranus, take a much longer time. 
So these planets are often called generational planets, and I am fascinated by the generational planets. Um, Because their orbit is so slow, an entire generation will usually have the same outer planets. And something I want to add about the outer planets is that I've mentioned a couple times that I study ancient, ancient traditional astrology, and that translates to the astrology that was being practiced like in ancient Greco-Roman times. But obviously back then, we didn't have the telescopes or the technology to see space in the way that we do now. So traditional astrologers actually don't use the planets Pluto, Neptune, and Uranus in their work, um, but a lot of people blend the two of them together because I find so much value in like folding the generational planets into things and um i find generational patterns specifically with the outer planets so freaking cool and i'm actually in the middle of like digging into um uranus and aquarius generation because i think that we are queer as heck for a reason again that's another tangent it takes uranus about 84 years to make its way around the zodiac spending about seven years in each sign Uranus is currently in the sign of Taurus and has been since early 2019. It'll stick around until mid-2025. At the time of recording, actually, Mars and Uranus are actually conjunct, meaning they're at the same point of the sky. But, you know, like, because these planets move so slowly, Uranus moving through the sign of Taurus, wherever the sign of Taurus falls in your chart, yes, Taurus is somewhere in your birth chart, we're going to talk about in a second, you know, you're going to have Uranian themes kicked up. Neptune takes 165 years to cycle through the zodiac, spending 14-ish years in each sign. Neptune has been in Pisces since 2012, and it will be here until 2025. And in modern astrology, Neptune is like the, the ruler of the sign Pisces. In traditional astrology, which is what I practice, Jupiter is the ruler of Pisces. Some astrologers will be like, no, Neptune does not belong as the ruler of Pisces. And some astrologers will go, no, Jupiter doesn't belong as the ruler sign of Pisces. I see value in both of them being rulers. Pluto, my dear sweet Pluto. I love Pluto. Side note, I, I, I adore Pluto. If I could have a t-shirt that says I heart Pluto, I would be that girl. I was really sad when NASA decided that Pluto wasn't a planet anymore. And Pluto, if you're listening to this, you're a planet in my heart, baby. Can you tell me Scorpio? The um, modern rulership of Scorpio is Pluto. And again, I think that there's some some sustenance to that. I freaking love Pluto, but Pluto is also um, a lot of a planet. Okay. So Pluto floats very slowly through space, taking 248 years to make a whole orbit, spending about 21 years in each sign. Pluto has been in the sign of Capricorn since 2008, and it will be moving into Aquarius at some point next year. Um, And outer planets changing signs or generational planets changing signs usually correlates to large events on Earth. And I don't need to prove this to you. Um, If you're at Mun and are like, what the heck? There's this book in the library. Yes, the Mun library called Cosmos and Psyche. Yes, my friends listening from elsewhere. My school library has a copy of Richard Tarnas's Cosmos and Psyche. And um, he it's, it's thick, it's academic, it's a lot, but he went through the planetary cycles and just like brings like mundane events into like these astrological cycles. Fascinating. I, I could read it and think about it for hours. Anyways, Capricorn is ruled by Saturn and Saturn's all about constriction and limitation and like the word no, and also about time. And you know what happened in 2008? We had a recession. <laughs> and so, you know, it's no, and recessions usually occur. Actually, 
economics was really, really hard for me, except for shout out to Allison Coffin for giving me a 70 because um, I worked really hard. But still, I don't really understand the economics between like recessions and inflations and all that jazz. But the fact that Saturn, that Pluto entered a Saturn ruled sign and a recession happened at the same time is significant. And Pluto is gearing up to change signs again within the next year. And where are we? A recession or something like that. I don't understand what's happening in the world, but it's not great. Pluto moving into different signs of the zodiac usually marks generations. Like, for example, almost all millennials who identify as millennials have Pluto in Scorpio. And um, for a while I was like, I'm a millennial. Like, I feel like I'm more of a millennial than a Gen Z. But like, as I get older, I'm like, oh my God, I am such a Gen Z. There is no mistaking that I am a Pluto and Sag kid. And yeah, like 1995, Pluto ingressed into Sag, and that's kind of around where they say Gen Z starts. Um, yeah, but again, that's a whole, I could like talk for a whole hour about how much I love generational astrology. So I'll do that on a different episode. So yeah, so that's like a general overview of how fast the planets move. Segway time. So now that I've rambled about times and speeds of planets, it's time to answer the question, what the heck is a birth chart? You know where the sun was when you were born, but all the other planets had to be somewhere in the sky too, right? Instead of trying to explain this myself, I mean, I could, but I think that so many astrologers have done this so eloquently and have put so much work into explaining it accessibly and eloquently that I'm just going to read you um, a few paragraphs from Chani Nicholas's book, You Were Born for This. And um, I stated all my reasons for loving this book in the last episode. So if you're wondering why, go listen to that. Chani says... Your birth chart is a snapshot of the sky at the moment that you took your first breath. It marks your arrival here on Earth, a celestial blueprint, if you will, that holds the keys to living a life of purpose. Popular astrology has focused heavily on one part of the astrological alphabet, your sun sign. While the sun may have been in the sign of Sagittarius when you were born, that's only one small part of what was occurring in the sky. You have every planet and every sign somewhere in your chart. Astrology represents the entirety of life, and like life, we escape none of it. You are not just a Virgo or a Gemini or a Libra, you are a moment in time, with every sign, planet, and point playing a part in who you are and how you move through the world and what you came here to do. The positions of the planets in your birth chart reveal the nature of life without any kind of judgment attached. Your astrological makeup is a neutral reflection of your life, much like a mirror. Only the person looking at the reflection judges it. The mirror simply reveals what is there. Astrology reminds us that we are exactly as we are supposed to be, for good reason. On purpose, and with a purpose, that we must live out if we want to feel any kind of fulfillment. End quote. Now, I, like, adore this synthesization, these three paragraphs, because I just think that they, like, encapsulate, like, just all of it. And you might be wondering, what does a birth chart look like? There are three major components to your birth chart, the signs, the planets, and the houses. Imagine a wheel chart divided into 12 slices of pie. Each of those 12 slices belongs to a different sign, indicated by their symbols on the outer part of the wheel. Whichever sign the different planets were in at the moment of your birth is where you can find those planets in your birth chart. Your rising sign 
which is the constellation or the sign that was rising on the eastern horizon at the moment of your birth. Yes, it's that technical. Determines the position of each sign in your birth chart. And we're going to talk more about rising signs in just a second. But yeah, rising signs, very important. (laughs) Think of planets as the characters in the movie that is your life. Chani calls them the who. The sign that a planet is in indicates how a planet does that job. You know how some people like love to go to the bar and other people would prefer to go to the library? I'm usually of the second camp, but you know, get me on a good day and maybe you can take me downtown, I don't know. The planets are similar. You know, some planets love being in certain signs and really struggle in others, but just, <laughs> just like humans do. University is like a cakewalk for some people and like the worst thing possible for others. And that doesn't mean that like one person is better than the other. It just means that two people have different experiences in the same place, you know? Venus, for example, is at home in the sign of Libra and Taurus and is really not so comfy in the signs of Aries and Scorpio. Um, And also (laughs) to, to, to kind of visualize that for you, the sign that is opposite Libra in the zodiac is Aries. So it makes sense that like being opposite the sign in which he rules, Venus um, feels uncomfortable in Aries. And now that is not to say that having Venus in Aries or Venus in Scorpio is like wrong or bad, or you're like doomed to a life without romance. No, 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 no. Also, if someone is telling you that, run, run far away unfollow them close the book as i said but it just means that someone with this placement will approach themes of love values relationship and beauty in a very different way than someone with venus in libra or taurus just like there are 12 signs there are 12 houses in each chart in order to set up the houses you need to know your rising sign that's why we're always asking for the exact time of birth because like Having an incorrect time of birth can change your rising sign, which just kind of like changes the orientation from which you live your life. Each house describes a different part or theme of your life. Chani says, quote, Houses are the places in our chart where planets are located. If planets are the actors and the signs are the styles or costumes, then the houses are the sets where the stories are lived out. Each house is a section of the sky as we see it from Earth and represents a specific area of our lives. The first house, for example... Again, I'm done quoting now. It's page 27 in case you're wondering. The first house, for example, is about you, your appearance, your orientation in the world. And the seventh house, which is the sign that's directly opposite the first house on the zodiac wheel, represents your relationships and people you partner with and your friends and all that jazz. So um, the houses, as you try to understand them, Each house has an opposite house, and while they have different themes, there's often like an underlying connection between the two. The first house is about you, and the seventh house is about who you relate to. For example, my rising sign is Scorpio, so my entire first house belongs to that sign. And what's really cool about this is that when you meet other people with your rising sign, while all the planets will be in drastically different places, unless like you were somehow born at the exact same minute at the exact same hospital at the exact same time, there will still be like some communal themes that all people with the same rising sign as you will be going through. Like for example, Scorpio risings have Aquarius as their fourth house. The fourth house represents family, ancestry, private life, your home. And like I mentioned earlier, Saturn has been moving through Aquarius for the last two years, which means that Saturn has been moving through our fourth house. 
And so for the last couple years, I have been going through these like intense themes of family and ancestry and home and, um, I'm not going to get into the specifics, but like, yeah, all those boxes checked. And um, I'm actually in this really incredible, oh my gosh, so on a tangent, but I promise I'm coming back. I'm in this group called Ascendant Assemblies, and it's this lovely um, group that meets on Zoom. And then it's also like a Discord channel where we like have these meetings with everyone else with the same rising sign. And it's really cool to share space with all these people that are experiencing themes in a similar way to you. And like, we just, yeah, like hold space to kind of like air how the astrology has been showing up in our lives. And it's really cool because like, while all of our experiences are drastically different, there's always some sort of thread that weaves us all together. And uh, yeah, I just think that it's so, so cool and so special. So shout out to Ascendant Assemblies. You should go check them out. Um, meetings are bi-monthly. Discord is always. And to my knowledge, it's like pretty accessible to be a member. So yeah, anyways. Because I'm a Scorpio rising, all or me and all other Scorpio risings have Taurus as our seventh house because the sign opposite Scorpio is Taurus. Like I said earlier, when planets move through certain houses, it kicks up themes of that house in relation to the sign and the planet that it's moving through. And so like generational planets hang out in a certain sign for a long period of time. Neptune has been in Pisces for the Neptune has been in Pisces for the last 10 years, kicking up themes of that house. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Just kidding. I don't actually have any sponsors, but I am required to read a PSA to you because this is a public radio station. So get ready to hear my official voice. Do you need help with academic writing? Visit the Writing Center. We are a free service for all students at Memorial University. Our tutors meet with you one-on-one to discuss your work. Visit us for help with brainstorming, revisions, citations, and more. We have two locations in Science 2053, or which is the science building, uh, for graduates and undergraduates, and the Commons in the, Q, in the Queen Elizabeth Library for undergraduates only. To book an appointment, visit either of our locations or phone us at 864-3168. Distance students can book online tutorials by visiting our website at munz.ca slash writing center. Something that is really helpful for understanding rising signs and the whole like setup of the planets in a birth chart. If you're born at sunrise, the sun, your sun sign and your rising sign will be the same. So why is that? Because every morning as the sun rises, the sun rises over the eastern horizon. So like if you were to go up to Signal Hill and watch the, the sun rise over the ocean, because Newfoundland's in the most eastern part of North America, so like we're the first to see the sun rise. You would see the sun crossing over the ascendant and so like if you were to look out like this is my favorite example is signal hill because you look at the ocean and you know it's east whatever zodiac sign is rising on that eastern horizon you know where the sky meets the sea that's the rising sign and so it's like you took your first breath and someone like clicked a stopwatch and was like bam that is like the snapshot of what your life's direction is going to be The ascendant moves every single minute, which is why the minute and the place that you were born is so important, because depending on where you are, the rising sign is going to be different. Also, if you were born at high noon, you would see that in your birth chart, the sun would be like pretty high on the circle, like somewhere in the top half, because 
what the birth chart is doing is that it's taking a snapshot of the sky at the moment you were born. And if you were born with the sun beaming into the windows, that's going to be noticeable, right? Likewise, if you're born at midnight, the sun is nowhere to be seen, but maybe there's a full moon high in the sky. When the sun sets, it sets over the descendant, which is literally the exact opposite point of the rising sign. And so, likewise, if you were born at sunset, you're going to have your sun um, conjunct your descendant or the sun in your seventh house somewhere. Also, I want to make a quick note about something called ABC house systems, which have become really popular in astrology places like TikTok and Twitter. Um, it started as like, so, oh gosh, this is such like a difficult, dense thing to unpack because modern astrologers will associate the first house with the sign, with the planet Mars and the sign Aries. And I'm here to tell you that I don't practice that. And I really don't think that it's helpful to practice that. You miss a ton of nuance in reading a birth chart and the house systems in like taking that and running with it. And while I totally see why when you're beginning, attributing a house to a sign and planet makes it easy for you to understand. But I promise you, I promise you, it will be way more difficult to understand some of the coolest parts about astrology if you are holding on to that with like a tight grip. So yeah, if you've heard somewhere that like the first house and Aries are related, just like let that fall away, especially as you're listening to me. Also, I have tons of books that I will like reference and use um, and recommend that use this house system. But what I'm just trying to say is that, like, with my critical thinking cap on, I don't like that. And again, many astrologers disagree on this, and we could fight about it until the cows come home. But again, I don't believe in it. I've just thrown, like, a ton of information at you, I know. And it's really difficult to, to digest. I totally get that. So please go easy on yourself. It takes time to understand. And at some point, I promise this all starts to click. And it's not overnight. It's not in a week. It's not in a month. But as you keep coming back to it, eventually something in your brain will go, oh, that's how you do it. Like I couldn't tell you when I was able to read a birth chart. It just kind of happened organically. Now that I've like explained what a birth chart is and explained the planetary cycles, I want to explain to you how you can get a copy of your birth chart. It's no, it's not helpful for me to sit up here and tell you all about it if I'm not going to give you any resources to go home with. The best way for you to really understand it is to just look at yours for yourself. It will at first seem like absolute gibberish, I promise you. I looked at my birth chart and was like, what the heck is this? And guess what? That's okay. We're not meant to understand everything at once. They wouldn't make you go to university if you could understand everything in a day. I also looked at my birth chart and stared at certain things for so long that I just like completely missed other things. And then when I got a reading for the first time, I was like, oh my God, I do have the sun directly opposite Jupiter. Wow, that is really loud. Wow, that does say a lot about me. What are some websites that you can generate your birth chart with? So the like OG website for like casting your birth chart is called astro.com. That's A-S-T-R-O.com. 
Um, it has a ton of really incredible and handy tools, but I will admit before I send you over there that it's a bit outdated, but it's free and you can save as many charts as you want and you can like build a giant database and it's really helpful for looking at more than just your own chart. Um, but also like I want to add <laughs> the gender options are female, male, or event slash other. You can, um, you can deduce whether or not you want to cache your birth charts there based on whether or not you want to be categorized into female, male, or event slash other. I personally don't like being called an event. I mean, that's a lie. I am the event. But I don't want like my birth chart to be stored as an event. I'm a person. The other website that I love is called astroseek.com. And also I should say astro-seek, A-S-T-R-O-S-E-E-K.com. Yeah, this is my current favorite. It is just like a gem. Every time I'm on there, I learn something new. But to get your chart, hover over to the free horoscopes tab and select birth chart calculator from the drop-down menu. So enter your birth inf information and hit calculate. And when you hit calculate, uh, the default house system that it'll use is Placidus Houses. You'll find that on many chart generator things. If you wanted to put your chart into whole sign houses, which I, I totally recommend, select, which is like, it's right underneath the calculation button, select um, extended settings, which is a little gray line underneath um, the calculate button. And what I love about AstroSeq is that it'll give you a general interpretation for each placement. It clearly explains the houses, what they represent and how it shows up in the natal chart. And on the right-hand side, there will be like a list of all the placements, which I mean, if you're using like apps or like, what's that site that everyone goes to? Cafeastrology.com, which um, again, I don't particularly use, but I have used in the past. And I will say it was one of the first astrology sites around. So credit where it's due. Um, while I don't use it now, a ton of people started their astrology journey with places like Cafe Astrology, and there's so much value in recognizing, um, you know, where we've come from and where we've grown. So when you like pull up your AstroSeq birth chart, you're going to see a ton of information. Some of it's going to be really easy to absorb, maybe it'll be familiar to it, and some of it will just go like right over your head. Again, this is a language. So the more fluent that you get, the easier things become to understand. So on the side of the chart, like I said, you'll see a list of all the placements. It'll give you a planet and the sign that it's in and the exact degree in which it's found in your chart. And the reason why degrees are important in astrology is because say a planet is at 15 degrees Aquarius and a different planet is at 15 degrees Leo. Well, because Aquarius and Leo are opposite signs in the zodiac, whichever planet is at 15 degrees Aquarius and whichever planet is at 15 degrees Leo, they're forming what's called an opposition to each other, which means they're at exactly opposite points in the sky. If you have a planet at the degree in which another planet is like doing something in the sky, then that's gonna show up in your life. Like you're gonna feel that. Bottom line is AstroSeek is a really fun site to explore. It is packed to the brim with info and it's like constantly being updated. I learn something every time I visit there. Again, when I first saw the site, I was overwhelmed, overloaded, and I actually forgot it existed because I was so overstimulated by it. But like, I promise, bookmark that thing, have fun, get curious, just explore. Time Passages is a tried and true app for seeing your birth chart, but I'm going to add that I, for five years, have been trying to get time passages on my phone, 
and I can download the app, but it never opens. It never opens. Um, but I have a ton of friends with iPhones that use time passages like religiously and adore it. So I think it's just a me problem, but I did want to address that in case I'm like recommending an app to you that is inaccessible. My overall advice is just get curious. Look at your birth chart with an open mind and know that you're going to grow into your chart, just like we grow into ourselves. If you see a placement that makes you wrinkle your nose, I challenge you to ask yourself why. I mean, I challenge you to do that anytime you wrinkle your nose at something, but like, especially with your own birth chart, if you're like pulling something up and it like, <gasps> why, why do you feel ill about that? That sounds like a therapy question, which I mean, it might be, but, um, worth asking. That's for sure. The last question I wanted to answer is why is the rising sign more important than the sun sign? And that's because it's specific to you and the perspective that you view your life from. And all those years that I was reading the Scorpio horoscope and like thinking it was totally right was because it was right. Even though I'm a Libra sun, I'm a Scorpio rising. And if you're confused as to what I'm talking about, just go listen to the last episode. I explained that I thought I was a Scorpio sun my whole life, but I'm actually a Libra sun and now I'm talking really fast. Okay, done. And again, I'm going to quote from Chani again, because why the heck not? <laughs> the book is here. Chani says, quote, the ascendant point is always rising in a sign, which is known as your rising sign. For example, if the ascendant is in Sagittarius, you have a Sagittarius rising. The nature of the sign that was on the eastern horizon as you entered the world symbolizes your motivation for being here. It tells us what gets you going, what gets you out of bed, and what sets you on this quest called life. End quote. So like if an outer planet is hanging out in your rising sign for like a prolonged period of time, everyone with that rising sign will collectively be experiencing that transit. Of course, it's going to look different for everyone because we are different humans with different lives and different lived experiences, but there's a high probability that we'll have similar themes kicked up. Like, for example, Capricorns, you guys have had Pluto, Capricorn Risings, might I add, you've had Pluto in your first house since 2008. You probably don't know what it's like to not have Pluto in your first house. And so next year, when Pluto moves signs, um, I mean, I'm not going to try to give you some sort of like, like forecasting of what's going to happen, but like, you're definitely going to feel that shift. And likewise, because we all have Capricorns somewhere in our birth chart, we're going to be feeling that shift where the planet moves, like where Pluto is going to move from Capricorn to Aquarius, wherever Capricorn is in our chart is going to get a little bit lighter. And then wherever um, Aquarius is in our chart is going to get a little bit heavier. I'm not telling any of this for you to be like, if you're an Aquarius rising, look out, because Pluto's coming for you. No, that's not constructive to anybody. Again, if someone is telling you that your life is going to end because a planet is doing something, please stop listening to them. But knowing that something is coming up helps us prepare for it. Astrologers use the analogy of bringing an umbrella if you know it's going to rain. If you know it's raining outside, you're going to put on a rain jacket or bring an umbrella. If the forecast says that there's going to be a hurricane later, you might like... I don't know, fill up your bathtub in case your power goes out. You know? Pop culture astrology loves to stereotype. And some signs get a lot more harmful stereotypes than others do. So I thought that as I come across, like, things that irk me on the internet, I'm going to, like, put that into something and... <laughs> Today we're starting a segment that I like to call Bash That Myth. Today's myth. I want to 
talk about why hating on Virgos is inherently rooted in misogyny and patriarchal BS. Bash that myth! If you think about the symbol of Virgo, Virgo's symbolized by the Virgin. So that in and of itself has just like a lot that we can unpack, right? The concept of virginity, again, is like a big fake news patriarchal moment. And the fact that an entire sign is ruled by this fake news patriarchal moment says a lot about why pop culture astrology, which operates in this capitalist society, capitalist patriarchal society in which we live under, why pop culture astrology loves to, 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 to talk crap about Virgos. Virgos are hard on themselves and, I guess in translation, hard on others because they work tirelessly to perfect parts of the world that capitalism and patriarchy has pushed to the margins. And the other thing too is that while Virgos might quote-unquote strive for perfection, Virgos also know that perfection is another made-up thing. But Virgos come across as nitpicky and micromanagey because things like service, think about people who work in the service industry, right? And think about the language that is surrounded by that. Oh, it's not a real job. When are you gonna like get a stable job with benefits? Like, why is it, tell me, why is it that working in the service industry is not a real job? Is it not a real job because we have been told to value it less? Is it or not a real job because the system continues to just completely ignore the fact that those who work in the service industry are literally the backbone of capitalism? Ugh, I could go on about this forever, but when I worked at Starbucks, people would always ask me, So like, when are you going to get a real job? And I would literally ask them, what do you mean a real job? Is this not, am I not getting paid? And they're like, no, 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 like, what are you going to do like when you graduate? It's like, well, that's not the question, right? My, my answer is that I have a real job, I work at Starbucks. But because it's in the service industry, it's considered less than, and it's undervalued. And so, circling this back all to astrology, is that in the end, Virgos care so deeply about the parts of this world that have been cast to the margins by capitalism, colonialism, and heteropatriarchal BS. Virgos are service and care oriented. Without Virgos, I don't know what world this would be. Virgos make the world go round. It's also one of the witchiest signs out there. They are so intuitive and so in tune with oh, everything. I would love to continue the conversation about Virgos, and I have so much more to say about that. Actually, I have written a bunch about it, but I'm running out of time. So as I round out this episode, I just want to thank you all so much for the kindness and the love and the feedback that you've been giving me. It like warms the cockles of my heart. I'm so grateful that you've all been listening to it, that you've been like retweeting and sharing. Um, please go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Astrolabies. Again, that's A-S-T-R-O-L-O-B-Y-S. Twitter at Astrolabies Radio. Or you can even send me an email at astrolabiesradio at gmail.com. of Astralabies. Thank you so, so much for sitting down with me and letting me break down the basics. It has been such a joy to be here with you all. 
and I can't wait to see what the next episode has in store. And um, I will see you in Virgo season. That's right. By the time the next episode comes out, it will be Virgo season. Woo. Okay. I love you. Joe is t- slowly turning into a Chinese Nicholas Stan show, I suppose.